Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Psychic Coffee Shop Podcast Network. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, doing pretty good. How about you? Surviving. It's been an interesting week to say the least. A lot of hometown news. One that was kind of interesting is the bridge case that's like two years old now. They're actually finally getting around to looking into it a little bit more. What did you find out? Um, well, basically, what happened was in 2017, Denise Bernard, um jumped off of the uh, August 5th, 2017, jumped off the um, New River Gorge Bridge. And so, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it started as a, one of those stories that's like, I'm missing something. Um, because effectively it sounds like, um, or from the general news stories, it sounds like she, um, randomly was being bullied, um, by a, um, motorcycle club, the Fire and Iron Motorcycle Club, uh, our local chapter is Chapter 40. And which is a uh, firefighter um, and apparently also dispatch and a few other uh, related people who were just randomly targeting her is what it sounded like. Um, It looks like the backstory is that she, well, her husband and she were members of this group. Um. For whatever reason, they decided they didn't like her, um, and so I'm assuming at some point had access to their house and their computer, or somehow gained access to their computer, and there were some uh, photos on it. Um, it sounds like they weren't exactly nude photos as well as much as suggestive photos. Um, so they decided to print those out and put them up all over her town. 
And so, yeah, she eventually ended up fired from her job, um, at which point, between the stress of her photos going up uh, all over town (coughs) and uh, being fired from her job, um, she ended up jumping from the bridge. It's just one of those stories. It's just cruel. There's, I mean, there's just nothing else to it. Um, Trying to understand how people in their, like, 40s, their age, 40s, um, for this motorcycle club, just decided to terrorize this woman. Right. And looking at it in general, it's a case of it that brings to question a lot of things mm-hmm. from the technical side. You know, mm-hmm. like securing your computer. You know, you know they got into their home. They got into their computer. Granted, they may have trusted them. I mean, we have people in and out of the house all the time. We've got locks on our right. computers. You know, so well, and we do. Well, generally, this is where this gets interesting, is physical access is always problem one. And so that's when, you know, of course, your your um, password and your, uh, if you've decided to use PIN number, um, mm-hmm. those come in handy. Uh, password a little, so, I don't, see, this is one I don't get, is Microsoft keeps pushing uh, pen numbers being more secure. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, you know, ultimately, you know, things like Windows Hello, which is facial recognition, as well as using, um, you know, fingerprint security. Those mm-hmm. definitely come in handy. But this is also one of those situations when you have friends in and out of your house. Um, I, I know many, you know, many times uh, there's situations someone needs to access a computer and you don't think twice. Um, and sometimes the best choice there is to go ahead and create a guest account. Make sure you have a guest account. So if someone shows up, you know, Pen numbers one 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 one. Log on in. Do whatever you need to do. Um, right. That's typically one of the biggest things is just the the pre thought, the pre plan, the um, not just sitting there and you know expecting that this person who's a friend now um, wouldn't inadvertently you know it's kind of like people going through medicine cabinets in your bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of have to pre-plan for it. If it's if it's that it you know something you don't want public or something you don't want other people rifling through. Um, if you only have one bathroom, don't put it in the medicine cabinet. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things. You'd like to think that people could respect other people's privacy. You would like to think the best of your friends. Um. But there's, you don't always know sometimes until people pull stunts that 
this is what they're capable of. Right, and you know, this is intensely problematic. We hear about it all the time, people get into other people's Facebooks, people getting into other people's things, and isolating pictures and all that. Again, mm-hmm. you don't have to be doing that. Sorry, if you're getting into somebody else's Facebook, it's not yours, it's not your boyfriend's current boyfriend mm-hmm. that you just broke up with him five minutes ago, you should not be in there. Um, yeah. Or anything Please. else. You know, mm-hmm. and that's always been kind of my rule is, no, get out of there. You don't belong in there. You don't check your boyfriend's voicemail. Um, mm-hmm. But this wasn't even that. These were people. Yes. Targeting and bullying people. And I think mm-hmm. this actually be an extra crime. Um, well, and unfortunately, in the state of West Virginia, this fell into a gray area. Um, okay. There was not enough exposure in the images. Um, even though they were verifiably hers, there was not enough exposure in the images um, mm-hmm. to get into revenge porn law. Um, which in West Virginia we do have that if you post pictures of an ex, or I do believe we have that, you post pictures of an ex that are compromising, there are laws for that. Um, And one of our other laws that could have applied was built specifically around teenagers. So she was too old for one law and wasn't exposed enough um, for the other is what I ultimately took away from it. Um, so criminal, criminally speaking, um, there's most likely not a whole lot they can do just over the images themselves. And that's why they're at this point um, just solely focused on a, uh, well, a civil suit. Um, which is about all they can do is their you know is to run it under bullying and I'm assuming that the um, uh, um just surrounding her uh causing her death uh wrongfully right. that's what I'm trying to say and yeah. um you know we're trying to run it that way. There is, there is some push within West Virginia legislature at the moment um, to try to uh, basically close the gap in the laws. That because this this again this is one of those situations. It's not that they were nude photos um, <laughs> as much as they were very sexually suggestive photos. Um, basically like a uh, boudoir shoot. Um, right. No, you're not exposed, but it's not exactly how you want, you know, people at your church to be in yet, um, which was one well, of the many places these photos were posted. Um, was right. at her church. Not, however, get them on copyright, because she technically owned the copyright. Mm. That's an interesting one. Um, I, I, 
part of me wants to say yes. Um, though I really don't know that that's that's going to be one of those uglier cases. Um, right. in terms of yes, you do retain uh, ownership of your images. Um, but at the same time. Typically, for this level of distribution, um, it's basically one of those, this is the better law to go after or the better route through the legal system to go after. It would still be a civil case. Um, And typically, copyright cases are kind of ugly to begin with. Um, They're very long, drawn out, usually very, very, very expensive. Um. And ultimately, for this kind of situation and this kind of um, problem going on, I would say that most likely their lawyer or his lawyer, her husband's lawyer, was more apt to be like, let's not even try that Um, and just solely focus on, you know, the the effect of their actions, not necessarily the action. Um, you know, and it's the same for you could also go with, um, you know, trying to sort out if it's a cyber crimes or a home invasion problem, um, but then they can still sit there and claim that, you know, well, it was at a time or, you know, he sent them to us, we already had them, you know. Um, you can come up with a lot of defenses in a situation like this. Um, doesn't mean that these defenses are true. Um, they just have to be, you know, very reasonable. Um, so that, you know, Regardless of whether it's a judge trial or a jury trial, um, and I can't remember if this is, or nor did I see, and I would assume it's just going to be a judge trial. Um, But one way or another, um, while you don't have um, the standards for civil only have to be basically 51%. Um, if you think about it in those terms, is if you're 51% sure someone did something wrong because it's a civil case, um, then, you know, you did it. Um, because you're dealing with property, not with life. Um, like you're not putting someone in prison. You're not doing those things out of this. You're mostly just going to be dealing with money. And in all reality, um, that's one of those you could sit there on the fence with. Did they break in or did he distribute them around? How did they get a hold of them? You know, and then you get into a bunch of nitpicky things. Like, well, they have a, you know, they didn't have a password on the computer and they should have known. And yeah, you can go on and on and on and on. Um, And ultimately they hire a decent attorney. Eh. You may or may not get anything out of that. Um, you know, um, but even then you're just still dealing at that point, you're just dealing with the action and uh-huh. that situation 
um, not necessarily the to- the total effect. Um, right. You know, stealing someone's images and posting them all over town, eh, it's not going to kick the can very far down the road. Um, right. Like, ultimately, um, the dealing with the concert of actions and their effect, um, the bullying and hazing and all of that that um, and the emotional distress that that caused that that literally drove her to her death. That's going to mm-hmm. be the bigger um, the bigger claim. That's going to be the the bigger. I keep wanting to say crime, but in, mm, bigger civil mm-hmm. action. Um, that's the one with the most bang for the buck. Otherwise, you're, I mean, they could tack that on, I'm sure, but at that point, you're, I don't know, I don't think it would, I think you would spend a lot of time, effort, and energy trying to argue it um, to learn a fact. Well, the reason I ask this and bring this up is because we've had, you know, claims of this before, Um with filming or with other things, um, especially like for YouTube channels and stuff, of people going, you can't film me, you can't film this, and it's like it's a public event. Well, no, the there there is a little bit of difference there. Um, people are expected to have privacy within their home, so if you're if you <laughs> walk into someone's home, you know, one, if you just walk in and you're not invited. Um, that has, you know, um, a legal definition that's called entering. If you force your way into someone's home, that's breaking and entering. Um, and But even if you're in someone's home, typically the most that happens is they can request that you not um, film in their home, at which point they can tell you, you know, to, to leave. At which point, if you refuse, you're trespassing. They call the police. The police tell you to leave. So trespassing doesn't get you misplaced. Um, But there is a concept of expectation of privacy. You have that in your bathroom, in, well, in any bathroom, um, changing rooms, anywhere that it's probably agreed upon you should have privacy. Um, businesses, um, like just, you know, inside of business does not necessarily mean that, um, you couldn't film, for instance, um, you can, um, what you have to look out for is that falls in the same category as standing in someone else's living room if they ask you to stop the next part of that is going to be, please leave. And if you don't leave, then it's trespassing. Um, the biggest issue with trespassing, however, is that it's typically a slap on the li- on the wrist. The police will come. They will ask you to leave themselves. And at that point, if you're best benefited by leaving. Uh, because the only next step at that point is if you refuse, then most likely you're going to get arrested. You're going to 
spend a few hours in jail, you're going to get released, and most of those cases don't even go to trial. Um, because ultimately what most property owners want is for you to stop doing the thing. <clears throat> but with that, um, as long as you're not, you know, but if you're out in wide open public, um, that's the point where, you know, no, sorry, you're in public. You know, there there's not much else. Um, while there's a few caveats with that, um, you know, there's the same uh, – the biggest application of um, – or, or biggest time that um, you would run into public, uh, problems filming in public um, is basically what's known as an upskirt. Um, and ultimately that follows the same kind of logic as – um, invasion of privacy, that you have an expectation of privacy within your clothes um, to not have someone film. That's been a hot topic and contentious issue um, because there's also a general theory um, that, that overrules this or that over that creates the idea which is visible with the naked eye from a public place. If you could, um, you know, standing in public, see a thing without, you know, uh, any advanced equipment, um, then it's generally free to film. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are people who dislike being filmed um, in many cases, they can ask you not to um, realistically unless you're on private property and the private property owner wants to get involved. Um, there's really, or the event holder wants to get involved. There's not a whole lot they can do. Now you do run into an interesting little law um, regarding a um, actor. Um which is a fun one. Um, there is a law regarding performances, um, which is um, while you can imitate an actor doing a role, you cannot, necess- without permission, film an actor performing a role. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, how weird is that? Um, and that also applies to music. Um, that's actually how um, you, when you go to concerts, um, they actually do have law on their side to prevent you from filming. Um, and that uh, that ultimately has a lot to do with um, their ability to maintain and retain um, their performances. Um, For a very long time, there are a lot of performers, especially musicians, didn't really push that. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't that big of a deal. 
Um, there have been, however, specific bands that bands B A N D S that have gotten very much on board um, with pushing that issue, and that yeah. has more so to do with some of their tours um, that they're now mm-hmm. going and, and doing is. Sometimes those are ways to work out a new song, um, kind of, you know, sit there and play with it a little bit. Like, it's not really ready for recording and studio release. They're trying to get it together. Um, so mm-hmm. part of their tour cycle, they'll kind of throw a couple of those in there. That mm, we haven't recorded it yet. We haven't released it yet. It's, you know, not been marketed yet. Um, and there's there are literally bands that have um, seen brand new material. The first time they perform it, it is on YouTube later that night. And so yeah. they've, they've gotten very, you know, cranky um, up to and including the point of making um, their attendees surrender their phones for the duration of the performance. Like no recording mm-hmm. equipment, you can't. You have to check your phone as you go in the door. Um, you know, you're you're not going to be able to record. Or if right. you do, if you do manage this, you've gone to great lengths um, to ensure to to create that opportunity for yourself. Um, and I think their counterbalanced hope is if we didn't find it on your way in the door then most likely the equipment's not good enough to get decent reproduction. Right. You know, because then you're working with hidden cams and things that don't, that aren't, you know, necessarily right. going to be obvious. Right. So, yeah. And, you know, things but, that all the time, though. I mean, you know, what was it? Marvel was out less than a day, and it was already up, you know, all over the place. Mhm. Well, now that's mm-hmm. actually different. Um, those those come up a little bit differently. Movies and television production, um, because mm-hmm. what I was just discussing are live performance. Um, mm-hmm. But because a live performance, while you can copyright things like lyrics, etc., the performance itself doesn't have any other protection. Um, you know, effectively you're assumed to have a license to do a public exhibition. Um, however, um, when you record a thing and then distribute it, that actually in and of itself um, creates copyright. Um, the, it, it is now a distributable um, copy. You, you have an, a, an original and, of course, the copies you make from it, um, those right. are protected by copyright. And so, mm-hmm. yes, it, it, it becomes a totally different thing. It's why you can't just technically, because um, there's people who do it. We, we all sat through school. We all know we had teachers that brought in movies. And the first thing you see is the federal warning about public exhibition. What's a classroom? Like, right. that, that was never how this movie was intended to be, um, you know, shown. 
It was meant for your private use in your home. That's the license. That's the studio granted you when you bought the film or bought the CD or bought the whatever, the digital download. Um, that's, that's its intent, is to be shown only in a situation um, that's in your home. That's the license you got. Um, right. Netflix um, and other services follow much the same idea. Is they're intended for home use. They're not intended for classrooms, um, at least not in full. There's copyright fun. Um, gotta right. love copyright law. It it gets fun, but yeah, it is different if you record it um, and distribute it. That falls under copyright. Everything else. If it's a live performance, um, the only copyright involved can be the, um, like if you're doing a play. If you're doing a play, it falls under the same guidelines, not as copyright, but as public exhibition, um, meaning that um, recording, the act of recording is prohibited um, without permission. But the only copyright involved is buying the play or accessing the play or whatever you have to do to license that work um, in order to produce it. Um, That's the only thing really going on there. Again, copyright's fun. (laughs) It is. Always, always found it fun. So enjoyable. (sighs) And, you know, being YouTubers, we've gotten to have fun with that. Um, and to explore things because you know we're filming events, we're filming things I'm doing, things we're doing, taking you guys along with us. Um, but mm-hmm. now we've ran into that a few times of, oh, well we can't film this, or oh I want to film that, but we can't film that. Um, mm-hmm. Or even you know let's tape this because I can't go do it, but you can go do it. And it's like okay, what's the gist on this because you know, people's photos are causing deaths. You know, photos stored on their personal PC. Photos that should have mm-hmm. never been released. Never, ever, ever released. But they should. there should be actions. There should be plans. We have revenge porn laws. I don't think we have them in West Virginia um, yet. Do I think they should be out there? Oh, yeah. I'm actually checking we all right have, now. I thought we did. I thought we did finally go West Virginia. Oh. Oh. West Virginia. Uh, yes. Yes. 2017, Governor Justice signed a revenge oh. porn bill into law. Wow. You actually used signature for something useful. Yeah. Um, and um, just looking at this because uh, it's very short. Um, and this is from WTAP. This is home. Uh, fun mm. little station. Uh, yeah. West Virginia governor signs revenge porn bill into law. That is the title. Uh, one of nearly a dozen bills signed this week by Governor Jim Justice makes it illegal to distribute so-called revenge porn. And violators can face a fine of one to five thousand dollars and one year in jail for their first offense. Um, it is a misdemeanor, 
and specifically that misdemeanor is um, to intentionally display publicly or threaten to disclose sexually explicit mm-hmm. or intimate images of someone without their consent. Mm-hmm. Fun, fun, fun. Um, well, so, and that would have been that would have ultimately taken care of this. The problem yeah. is um, sexually explicit. They're going with or intimate, and I think that's the the phrasing that screwed it all up. Um, because one would think that um, sexually suggestive would be intimate. It isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, what they're talking about is, I believe, um, our listeners can correct this if they're wrong. I think they're using intimate in a way to either mean intercourse um, mm-hmm. or they're talking solely in either sexually explicit or um, situations that would otherwise fall under um, uh, a um, ah, invasion of privacy. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if you are, yeah. 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 They've made it complicated. Yeah. But they well, to some degree, they made it complicated. I think their original intent was to make sure that the they were not jumping into that category of, you know, someone trying to file a claim under this just solely for stupid reasons. Um, right. You sometimes run into people that, in a breakup, will start getting a little crazy and start making claims out of anger um, that either later they regret or ultimately were only just to get revenge. So claiming revenge porn in order to get revenge on your crappy ex, they didn't want to go there. They don't want to go there. But um, Here's the fun yeah. question, and I'm, something I don't think a lot of people look at, is when you mm-hmm. have these idiots, and I'm sorry, I can't have no other recourse other than classify them as idiots, who go on like a grinder or Adam for Adam, and they put up someone else's picture. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, what's your plan here, dude? Like, have you thought this out? You know, you can't be um, just Well, in some instances, um, the, the kind of nifty and sometimes <laughs> frequently bad um, part of the Internet is you have anonymity. Um, back in the day, um, before profiles with images were common, a lot of what we were was defined by our screen name, by what we chose to share. Moving into, you know, even image profiles, um, which is still true today, you are what you share. Um, And we see that on Facebook all the time. Um, I'm sure, like like we do, we have people who on Facebook 
look like they got their lives together. Everything is great. Everything is wonderful. Blah, blah, blah. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood. And reality couldn't be further from the truth. Um, You know, their marriage is in shambles. They're about to get fired from their job. You know, they're, they're maxed out on the credit cards. But on Facebook, in, you know, in their images and what they're sharing, everything sounds beautiful. Um, so we still do it today. Um, even when we're sharing our own images, you can play with that a bit. Now, when it comes to sharing someone else's images, um, sometimes I think there are people who literally just want to live the fantasy. Um, whether that's with um, catfishing, whether that's with, you know, legitimately trying to get money out of people um, or, you know, presents and things like that, or if they just want to take it on as a persona, um, you know, the, to see what it would be like to be this person. Um because, you know, they're more attractive than you or they're less attractive than you, whatever, um, just to, to get the attention. Mm-hmm. For those people, yeah, it's a little dicey because on one hand, it's more like for the people that are just exploring, um, that are just mm-hmm. pretending, that are just, like, they don't want anything. Like, don't send them stuff. They don't want stuff. Um, they're just going out and talking and whatever. Um, mostly harmless, except you are screwing with someone else's identity. Um, and I think there are a lot of people who don't get that, that, that they really anymore with the ease of uh, the Internet, of Google, of whatever search engine you want to use, don't understand um, that when you type in hot girl or hot guy into uh, a website um, as a search and you pull those images um, to whatever degree you want to go to, um, that you know, not all these people are models. You know, that you're, you, <laughs> this isn't you know, free-to-use model images in which someone actually understood this could happen to them. That, you know, they could end up, so to speak, selling a product or service they didn't agree to or didn't, don't agree with. Um, You know, it can happen. Um, We've actually seen a lot of that out of the the Trump campaign. Um, They have ended up using a lot of stock photography um, in what I think people hope are honest quotes from actual voters or <laughs> intended voters, um, and they'll couple them with images of people that th- this is stock photography, these are models, um, <laughs> and <laughs> some of the models have come out and been like, uh, no, I never said that. You, you, you're implying I said that? I didn't say that. I don't know who said that, but that's certainly not me. 
Um, you know, uh, with but with modeling, they do they they sign off for that that those images can can be used that way. Um, that's right. the whole stock photography deal. Is right. you know you need a pretty person um, to sell your product or service or pretend they love it, um, at least in images. Um, but no, when you're just typing that into search and you're pulling up or you're just floating around Instagram and you find someone who's a little prolific and post a lot of photos and you pull a few of those to go do a profile, um, you know, you're, you're messing with an actual person's identity, and they did not post those with the intent for you to use them that way. Or they didn't right. find a modeling release that those photos could be used that way. They're sharing right. their life. They're sharing their identity. And there have been some, um, I believe, some bigger-name YouTubers that have found themselves in that situation, not just with yeah. the photos they posted, um, but also with those images being photoshopped onto scantily clad, nude, otherwise bodies, um, it's mm-hmm. another thing that happens, unfortunately, to celebrities. And they're suddenly, you know, quote unquote, naked images of them floating around um, that really aren't naked images. Right. You know. And again, that's one thing if you're out there, you're a major celebrity, um, and the Photoshop is obvious, um, right. it's a whole other thing. If you're sitting over there on YouTube and you're trying to run, like, say, a kid's you know, uh, channel on YouTube, you, you've got all these really awesome kids' videos, yeah, that, you know, porn shoot, look an image that your head just got photoshopped on not going to do any good for you. Right. But also with it and and from, you know, and this is, we've had this debate before is Mm -hmm. the laws are still trying to catch up with sex. Um, Not even big YouTubers. You know, we've got catfishing that goes on that I think you know, there should Mm -hmm. be a level of a suit there. Um, there should be some recourse that says, no, you can't do this. No, you're not allowed to do that. No, we're not going to put up with this. Well, you know, and we probably should have already put this at the beginning of this episode. Apparently, this is not legal advice. I would almost argue um, that it would amount to libel. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. the right one. Um, that you could argue a libel case, but that falls in the same same horrible place as um, copyright. Mm-hmm. They're very expensive. There's a lot of wrangling that goes mm-hmm. on, and ultimately, it's a civil suit. Um. <laughs> You you can't get blood out of a turnip. Um, it really isn't gonna gonna do anything there. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's right. it's it's a horrible deterrent, right? And it can be a very problematic deterrent. But mm-hmm. 
you got to kind of be like, okay, now what do we do with this? Okay, how mm-hmm. do we deal with that? You know, our justice system is still trying to figure out, oh, what do we do when someone stakes your cell phone number? Mm-hmm. How do we make that happen? Well, and ultimately the problem that you run into, the, the, mm-hmm. the key problem you run into um if you're talking about an online profile, it gets, or if you're talking about using images uh, specifically and creating a profile, um, that can get really dicey. Um, just because if you're doing it criminally, you again, I, I think it's one of those problems. I think in a lot of ways, it's like identity theft was 20 years ago that, you know, it it didn't seem like that big of a deal. Like, you know, just cancel your cards and get new ones and, you know, meh. Um, Get over it. Um, Until it really became a more prolific thing. And I think that's what we're suffering now is it hasn't become a big enough of an issue. Um, for people to really take it to heart um, that that it hasn't happened to them. Um, Then you turn your attention kind of over to – I'm sorry, I just lost my train of thought. There there was another thing you said there that I was totally about – oh, oh, no, lost it again. Anyway, moving right along. The bigger concern now, actually, is that um, AI software has grown to the point that you can now take video, uh, enough video and enough audio, and you can actually make it look like someone said something they didn't. Um, It's still in its infancy. It's not perfect. There's things you can still detect if you know what you're looking for um, to figure out that footage was manipulated. But, like everything else, it's just going to get played with. It's just, oh, it's just going to get better. And now I know why the spoofing. Sorry, that's what I was trying to get back to. So when someone uses your phone number, for instance, um, to make calls, um, yeah, that is a massive problem with spammers, with people calling to sell you crap you don't want, um, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Here's where yeah. the sticky points come up. The sticky points around that um, happen on two accounts. One, um, we do – there are very technical laws that do cover this. The FCC um, and the FCC are very much not fans of this. Uh, sorry, FCC. I think. No, no. FCC or FCC. FCC is in fans of it. Well, now, when it comes to an auto dialer, because this is where this comes up, Ultimately, this is where this comes up, is because it's an auto-dialer. There are FCC-applicable laws, and there are 
FCC applicable law. I can't remember which one it's uh, uh, spoofing falls under because there's a legitimate practice in which you would use this. We did this all the time at the last company I worked at. One of the services we offered our clients was a program called Early Out. Um, And what that was is typical collections would occur um, after 180 days. What we offered our clients was the ability to send this back account right as you check out. Like right as you're being discharged, that account doesn't go into their collection system. It goes straight into ours. Um, So it immediately left that hospital, came right over to our agency, and we started making calls on it. Now, that wasn't typical debt collection. Um, nothing like typical debt collection. Um, and it had a few components to it. And one of them was um, those phone calls went out with a number for the hospital billing department and the name of the hospital. And it's, you know, um, that's how it went out to um, the people we were calling. At that point, they're still patients. Um, debt collections is fun. You get labels as you get more delinquent. Um, <laughs> so that's a legitimate use. Um, it's right. third-party activities on your behalf. That's totally appropriate, and everyone agrees that's okay. Um, the problem comes in with two things happening. One is when you don't authorize it, when someone doesn't know that's being done. Uh, And then on the flip side, the ultimate issue that we run into, and it's the one that actually causes the real problem, um, Mm -hmm. these calls mostly originate out of uh, foreign countries. Pulling that stunt in the U.S. as a business model it's a very quick and easy way to get your butt shut down. There are laws right. against that. Um, and that's why a lot of companies who want to work that way don't right. use a U.S. call center to run their business. They use an overseas call center on the sole mm-hmm. basis um, that it takes a lot of bad action for the U.S. Mm -hmm. to start talking to a foreign entity about going Mm -hmm. into their country and raiding a call center. You have to kick off a lot of people. Um, And ultimately what happens is in those countries, the, the money is so good for working as a call center for a U.S. company that wants to do this, they you shut one down, five more open up. You shut one down, five right. more open up. It just right. keeps going. Um, and we can thank <laughs> um, computers, technology, and uh, phone over Internet for mm-hmm. making all this possible. Um, it, well, because it does. It does. The, the costs for this are so cheap. People can work from their homes. 
Um, mm-hmm. it, it really it takes nothing to run a call center anymore, not compared to what it used to. Um, people don't have to be in one location. Um, ultimately, a, some call centers are nothing more than a server room with phone lines. If that. If um, that. Now, mm-hmm. the other, the way I run into this a lot is, mm-hmm. you know, I had to copyright my name um, mm-hmm. because there were networks and there are still scamming networks out there and this is why it's like, okay, this one's opening up. Let's either get my ID or you know, let me go to work there or at least register my name. Um, mm-hmm. It's because, you know, we've looked at this as being possibilities with some places. Mm-hmm. You know, they just got to create the username. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, me providing the service or it's not me providing, you know, the readings. It's someone else. And mm-hmm. that used to be a major issue in the you know, early, early 2000s. Um, is you know copywriting your names, copywriting your user IDs, um, mm-hmm. because if you didn't, you get fired. The next one could you know come back in, you know, replace you know Lady Donna with the new Lady Donna. Well, or inversely, you could end up with a reputation you didn't create, and ultimately uh-huh. you have to abandon that name or username. Um, right. and, yeah. Um, that can and that's also been a big problem, especially since the nineties, um, that companies have run into. Um, back in the early days, way early days of the internet, there were a lot of um I will call them clever people. We're not gonna call them smart people. We're gonna call them clever people. They saw an opportunity. And so you suddenly have domain names pop up on the scene, and there were very clever people that thought, hey, let me plug in some major corporations. Mm-hmm. So there was a long period there <clears throat> where businesses sometimes found out as they decided to get with the times and get an internet uh, or get a website and uh, a domain name, um, that their domain name was already taken. Mm-hmm. That, you know, someone else... Now, in a lot of situations, it lucked up. The These were people who just wanted to get paid. They weren't right. sitting there, you know, doing any bad action. They were just clever right. enough um, to go ahead and pre-buy the real estate. Um, thankfully, the the uh, registration body ICANN, I-C-A-N-N, um, got wise to this, and they have been a lot uh, more uh, finding the right word for this, a lot more concerned, shall we say, for businesses, um, especially major brands, um, in trying to prevent them. Um, there are also right. situations where, again, early days, uh, companies found out the hard way that if they didn't keep their domain registrations up, someone mm-hmm. would swoop in, pay the registration fee, 
um, to renew or to get the do- domain, and the same thing would occur. One of the funniest ones, um, Google forgot to renew its domain name at one point. It is a lovely story. Um, and there was actually a guy who was nice enough. Um, he, he, he knew what could happen. Um, he saw that it had lapsed, went ahead, re-registered it, um, and mm-hmm. only charged Google enough, uh, charged Google what they would have paid anyway um, mm-hmm. to give it back to them because he was ultimately a decent human being who realized this was mm-hmm. a total mistake and an oversight and it was hilarious. Um, but knew what Google could end up going through if it fell into the wrong hands. Um, so, you know, the Internet was a wild, wild, crazy place. But we've also oh, seen it happen in Oh, yeah, because we've seen it continue to happen with YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. You name the service, every time a new service pops up, you know there's someone sitting at Microsoft going, oh, crap, i got to open another account. You know what I mean? It's Sorry. like you know it happens. You know there's a person who is in charge of knowing there is a new service. Um, mm-hmm. And they just go ahead and just as you're saying, go ahead and park that, go ahead and park that username. We, 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 yeah. we don't want to see what's going to happen here. Um, yeah. You know. Luckily, you're my person, so, you know, new accounts pop up, new places pop up, new social media pops up. Yes, there is an ace mm-hmm. and knife there. It may never have a posting to it. It don't care. We don't really use it because, you know, you find us over on Facebook or Instagram. But, you know, if, like, what is it? Um, the Chinese one. Five um. Fortune. No, I don't think that's the one you meant. Is there a fortune? Is is there a U on fortune? There is a U. Of, there is a me on fortune. Huh? WhatsApp. There is a WhatsApp. There is a me on WhatsApp. Yes, there is a Mason mm-hmm. on WhatsApp. There is Mason Knight on Snapchat. Um, there's two Mason Knights on Twitter. Uh, we're still trying to work that one out. But no, it, um, it's just trying, you know, and that's because originally when Periscope came out, as soon as it came out, I love the idea. I love the idea of video um, mm-hmm. and being able to just hop in and say something and, you know, hop out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like I'd use more Snapchat if it was discoverable so that, you know, my fans, my listeners, my watchers, my whatever can find me. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things. Yes, there is a me on all these things, even though I don't use them. Um, mm-hmm. New email servers, you know, like there, you know, if I face a night in and you're probably going to see that there's already an account form. Because we've had so much problems with um, my identity, um, with, you know, people trying to be me, with Mm -hmm. um, companies trying to be me, um, and, you know, 
a human trying to be me, and it's like, no, you cannot be me. Um, no. Well, and it, it poses a lot of risk. Um, one is, you know, the threat to reputation, um, because it especially, especially in um, competing services, you know, because mm-hmm. um, you're one user on this network, and if a new one pops up and you're not there and someone catches that one and grabs that uh, that username, um, mm-hmm. people may actually, you know, confuse the service they're receiving. Um, and that, that's literally ultimately trademarking um, mm-hmm. to, in a nutshell is um, why you want to own that. Um, for most people, it doesn't become an issue until someone has malicious intent. Um, and even even if, even if, you know, this new email service pops up and this new, you know, whatever pops out, um, you know, Face Plus or whatever. I mean, there's, you know, there's got to be another one in the pipeline. Um, we'll call it, you know, the Book of Faith. Um, just for fun. And, you know, so Book of Faith comes out, and even if you're there, and even if you snag Ace and Knight, that doesn't guarantee you that someone else isn't going to come through and grab Ace and underscore Knight, that someone's not going to come through and grab, you know, Ace and R Knight, or, you know, Ace and R Knight all one word, or slight misspelling. Um, like these are the the things that major corporation or that even major corporations suffer through. Yeah. Or, you know, common misspellings get registered. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> Microsoft, um I know there have been um many variants of Microsoft Windows Office, anything you could miss key. If you could stumble on the keyboard, double hit a letter, those are all registered, um, or they were at one point, and they were very um, highly sought after uh, web addresses. Um, mm-hmm. People paid good money for them because, um, the, again, clever people thought of this one and parked those um, and then sold them off to the highest bidder. Um, and companies sat there and used them um, maliciously, normally, to force uh, or to take advantage of people who inadvertently misspelled Microsoft Office, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, good luck. There's all kinds of options there. You have services that pretend – or companies will sit there and – out and out, pretend to be Microsoft, pretend to be whatever service, um, and then, you know, oh, your computer's infected with malware, you need to download this from Microsoft. And people did it. Mm-hmm. And suddenly they're like, it came from Microsoft, I don't understand. And it's like, no, it didn't. It, it came from Macrosoft, or it came from, you know. <laughs> well, thank you. And I wish they would get better at this. You know, speaking, you know, of the bodices and, you know, 
um, the phone calls and everything else. And I hear it all the time. Oh, Microsoft called and said my computer's infected. And it's like, which one? Here, here's a hint for everyone out there. If you've ever gotten a call from Microsoft and it's actually been Microsoft, um, that's a short list of people. Um, Microsoft doesn't call you. They don't care if you have a virus. They do not care one bit if you have something wrong with your computer. Now, if you've paid for a full copy of Windows directly, not through buying a computer, you got a copy of Windows, but if you went out to Amazon or wherever and bought a copy of Windows, you do get included Microsoft tech support. Um, now, with that, you, you can occasionally get a call back from Microsoft. It is rare, rare to get a call back from Microsoft. Um, but you would have originated that call. Microsoft doesn't care if you're having problems. They, they do not in any which way, shape, or form. Um, gather data in such a way or for a purpose in which they will ever call you. Never going to happen. Never, ever, 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 ever. To think of the number of people that, that they would have to staff just for that. Just mm-hmm. to sit there and call out, yeah, Microsoft's not doing it. Especially not now. Microsoft is probably making less than ever off of Windows. Um, yeah. Most for I mean, they just are. Um, you know they're they're not trying. They're not anymore. Um, and honestly, I predict if the next version of Windows isn't totally, absolutely, one hundred percent free, it's going to end up probably being the version after. Um, because ultimately what's happened, um, Linux was a cute little word, say, 20 years ago. Ten years ago, it was still kind of cute, but more people were using it. Um, now it's actually getting to a point that there's no money in, in operating systems. There's just yes. Um, Most people get a copy with their computer, and that means that the manufacturer did bulk licensing, um, which is an option even I can take. You know, I can grab an OEM copy, which is original equipment manufacturer copy. Um, You don't get any support from Microsoft. You're supposed to call me if you have a problem Um, because I made your computer. I should know how to fix it. And that's it. That, That was, you know, it's so their the licensing. Yeah, they're getting some money, but Microsoft is an enormous company. Um, that's not their bread and butter. Um, it used to be they could charge a high dollar for Microsoft Office. Um, then mm-hmm. it got to the point that that division of Microsoft, I think, almost collapsed because everyone was sharing it. No one paid for Office. No one paid for Office. There for a while, no one paid for Windows. Um, It was a struggle, and they fought that struggle. And I think they're ultimately coming to a conclusion, as I think many companies are, 
is that the best you can hope for is pay for software as a service. That if you can squeeze another 5, 10, 15, 20 bucks out of someone a month, that's all you're going to get. Um, because the minute someone sees $200 for a piece of software as an upfront charge, you're never going to get them to buy it legally. Never going to happen. Well, not um, that, but a lot of place, a lot of software has gone to that. You know, mm-hmm. they've gone to the service. I mean, most of our software that we use, um, if you've not built it, we're paying a subscription for it. Um, and that's because the software itself, you don't have to buy Office 2000, Office 2001, Office 2002, Office 2003 to get the updates anymore. I'd rather no, and that's the big problem. Well, but that was the big problem that led to the piracy in the first place, is you released, you know, Office 2000, and... Or as an example, you release Office 2000, and then you turn around and release Office 2002. And people are like, look, how much different could it be? I ain't buying a copy. I don't want a copy. Well, then they nag screen you that, you know, to buy, to upgrade, to buy, to buy, to buy. Then people got sick and, you know, went and fine, I'll buy. And then they saw the price tag left. Seriously, um, but it ended up with, you know, making it very viable because people got tired of paying for software because it wasn't, you know, ten bucks or twenty mm-hmm. bucks for Office or for whatever. It was starting to get thirty-two damn dollars. Um, yeah, well, and Adobe was the worst offender. Adobe, absolutely, oh, it still is. absolutely. Um, well, no, 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 it's gotten better. They went software as a service as well. It's actually harder to buy a uh, fixed edition um, than it is to go with their downloadable um, software as a service. You can do it. No one does it. Um, but they were the world's worst. You know, $700 software that next year is antiquated and it's going to nag you to death to buy the new version. Yeah. Adobe, mm-hmm. no. Um, that ticked off a lot of people because Adobe – and that was even when Adobe was one big giant suite of software that mm-hmm. you ended up getting a lot of different programs all at once when you uh, bought the creative suite. Um, you know, individual programs you could buy, but honestly, by the time you – if you needed two of them, you might as well buy the suite. Um, and most people right. ended up needing two of them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for the biggest, for the longest time, their Illustrator and Photoshop were hand in hand um, for a lot of graphics people. Um, for photo people, it's always been Lightroom and Photoshop. Um, so yeah, once you've needed two, you might as well buy the suite, buy the freaking suite. Um, so seven hundred and some dollars later, at least, um, you know, and it was ridiculous. It was like you know more than installed it, and they came up, and it was like three months later. And I swear to God, this happened to me at, at a job because God knows I wasn't personally buying it. 
Um, I had it at work on a work computer company paid for it. This is all great, well, fine, and good. And I swear to God, it was like three months later they released a new version, and every time you opened the program, it was like, have you heard about, you know, oh, crap. You know what I mean? It's just, no. Yes, I have heard. Yes, I'm well aware that you released the new version. That is like minusculely different than the last version unless you were so technically abilityed in Photoshop, Illustrator, and all the rest. Um, you're not going to tell. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Sorry. I mean, and, and yeah. I'm not trying to knock it. I really am not. Um, it's not that the software wasn't valuable. It's just leave us alone. You just sucked, like, a flipping house payment out of my wallet. <clears throat> you know, rent plus utilities out of my wallet. Leave me alone. Just leave me alone. So right. I do have an appreciation now, and I will totally shell out for software as a service. As long as you keep giving me updates and you just keep taking my money, $10 at a time um, or $11 at a time, fine, whatever, let it auto-update, I don't care. I couldn't see the difference Mm -hmm. before. I'm certainly not seeing it now. Um, You know, Office would have to do some amazing thing for me to see it. I know there's incremental changes. Things get more stable. They add a new feature every decade. Um, but otherwise, front end day to day use, I don't see it. Um, granted, I still have not forgiven Microsoft for Office 2007. That yeah. was the upgrade from hell for me. Because they changed one little feature of Office. Sorry, I, this technical rant. I, and I will never forgive Microsoft for this one. In Excel, you used to be able to run multiple queries and produce a single value. No big mm. deal, not a problem. Um, I was working with a database system that was so old and antiquated, it really was a godsend to be able to take a value, wrap it around in a formula, take it over to the database, rip the information I needed, and return it. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. Worked beautifully in every version of Office through 2003. We get brand new computers, brand new copies of Office, and my Excel sheet of dreams quit working. Because this was an Excel sheet that saved me roughly three hours a week. Because it would take a list of account numbers and return exactly the information I needed quickly, easily. And I could, because these were based on um, audits we had to do of uh, certain Mm -hmm. accounts. I swear to God, there was a moment I was like, I'm going to Washington for my vacation, and I'm going to get the death penalty. Like, 
there's no way out of this. Like, I was so infuriated because I'm like, you don't understand. 52 weeks a year times the three flipping hours it took to individually key these accounts into our system because it was not a short list just to get uh, and check certain data that I could, that I had a working sell sheet for. It's like, I'm about to kill someone. We ultimately created a program. It got better. It got better. Um, But in that moment, I was like, I'm taking vacation and I'm going to spend the rest of my life in Washington. What? Red in Washington? (laughs) I was, I was, so furious. And all it was was they changed the way you could access databases with a focus towards you could take a value or you could take you know certain information and you could pull an entire table back. Microsoft, are you crazy? Like I understand well, the I value of that, but that's a lovely add-on. <laughs> I will never forgive them for just that. Oh, well, you know. I don't know. I've long run with the theory of every other version of of uh, Windows is worth having. Um, it is true. It really is true. Um, at least, well, no, it's, well, Microsoft, Eight point one to ten. They they didn't have to throw it in between in. Um, though eight in and of itself was kind of you. Um, I mean, well, eight and eight point one were both kind of you. Um, that was one I tested and went, oh, I don't think so. But for most yeah. users, not that bad. Um, you know, if you're you're a desktop home user, it wasn't that bad. Eight one made it a little better. Tolerable, at least. At least you could turn off flipping tiles and do something. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a struggle, but we, we all – it wasn't a bad version of Windows. It was just not great. Not it was like a bad disaster. Windows. Vista. Yeah, Vista was a disaster. Vista was a freaking nightmare. Um, but we were promised so many things with Vista, and it was going to be so great, and it was going to fix the Millennium issue. And, you know, uh, no, it wasn't. It sucked. It's like, even Windows 10, I don't like it. Um, well, I miss my Windows 98. I miss being able to type a file name and it pops up. I miss not having the storage on my computer to oh. where it's mine. It's not up in a cloud and i got to go download it over here and, play with it, and oh, you're playing with it now, so I can't fix it. Well, technically, you can can create a local-only account, and all your files will be your files. They will only be on your machine. Um, Mm -hmm. Honestly, I, I think it's time to just embrace the cloud. I know people hate the cloud. They fear the cloud. And then they made that stupid movie about the cloud. And scared everyone even worse. No, it right. doesn't work like that at all. Um, like right. you got to really screw many things up to do that. But okay. Um, yeah. 
you, you do. Yeah. You would have to screw up so many things to end up where that movie went. Um, that was not a technically accurate movie. Um, but it, realistically, it's doing now um, things that I wish would have been normal, standard, completely um, part of the package um, back in uh, 10 years ago. It really, honestly, truly, truly would have made life easier within the corporate environment um, when you do have people that are collaborating on documents to have the ability to not run into this locked file, can't work on it situation. You can work on it. Um, and you can even simultaneously work on it. Um, and sometimes you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that within the corporate environment, that can become a real nightmare. Um, because sometimes you, you need to do a couple of different things to a file that are totally unrelated. You mm-hmm. need to have that flexibility. You need to have that opportunity um, to have one big mass document um, that mm-hmm. you're um, contributing to. And mm-hmm. 10 years ago, that was called you had 10 separate documents and you prayed you could merge them together without it looking like an incoherent mess. And inevitably, inevitably, mm-hmm. you worked with one SOB on your team who waited till the last second to that they could possibly contribute their content um, with some half-hearted, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And so you're throwing it together, you're throwing their part in at the last minute, and yeah, that sucks. They duplicated something, they totally screwed something up, but you didn't have time to deal with it. Um, but yeah. mm-hmm. every team I've ever been on, there's always been a Larry. For those that are not familiar with this term, a Larry is someone that's like, what the hell are you thinking? No, we are not including that in that proposal, or we're not including that in that project. What the hell are you thinking? We do not ever put that in writing. It, there is. Now There's you cannot guy. defend Larry because Larry will go in right before the proposal and put in his crap. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, either that or you know the the college version of Larry and, and there's a, I, I see a human individual when I go to tell this story. There was a guy that ended up on a team project with uh, with me and a couple other people and it was part project, part presentation and this is the guy that it was pulling teeth all the way through trying to do the, the pre-presentation portion of this project. Mm-hmm. And he still didn't do it. We did it for him. We We informed him of this. We, we gave mm-hmm. him everything he needed to do 
for the presentation. Like, we did his portion of it. We knew he wasn't going to do it. We accepted that. We we worked around it. It was should have been fine. But this is the idiot who showed up for the presentation with a with prepared notes. We gave him notes. These are your talking points. This is all you have to get up and say. It takes like one minute. He had one minute of presentation. He's done nothing else of value. One minute of presentation. You'd think he could pull that out of his butt. No. He managed to stand there and say things that had it's like are what did you read? This is not that's not our project. That's not what we did. That has nothing to do with our That wasn't included. Are you kidding me? And I still watched him walk across that stage and get his degree, and I still have that moment where I'm just like, I, I helped put that out in the world. Or, or more importantly, I want to slap a professor or two. Like, you let this out in the world. You understand this. You devalued my degree when you let this idiot out into the world. Like, you are very well aware at this point that he has cheated on every single assignment, but you can't prove it. You know for a fact he does not know the material. He cannot answer a single question in class. He has, you, we told you in this project, he did nothing. Mm-hmm. But he showed up, he took the test, and he got enough right answers without getting all the right answers to get out of this program, so you let him. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. That, that was one. I was just like, you, you really, really? Um, his name is not Larry. I'll be nice and not say his name. I'm sure his budding IT career went down in flames the first time there was a problem. Nope, he was made manager. Oh, thank God. He was actually a decent guy. That was the most annoying part. He was likable. Yeah. He was likable. Larry's are always, Larry's are always likable, but they're always problems. Mhm. Mhm. And it's like get with the program, you know. Y'all guys, oh, yeah. y'all guys don't see a lot of corporation, but I ain't pretty. When I'm in corporation mode, it's worse than showation mode. I want to get in, get out, do what I need to do. I'm not here to make friends. And Larry is always the dude that it is. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon. We are launching at five. Have your shit together. And he walks in and says, oh, I have a cold. I have a migraine. I can't do this. And we reschedule for next Thursday. And it's like, no, we've already dropped the system to nothing. We have everything prepped. Get your shit together. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But, no, they're, they're... – but, you know, he was the first one I lost after college. Like, that that was the one It's like, I never want to hear from this dude again. I, I, But I know his face. I know if I were to ever walk into another company and see him, 
I'd just be like, I can't even. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, it's like, uh-uh, I'm out the door. Nope, I'm not cleaning up another one of his messes. Uh-uh, not doing it again. New, mm-hmm. last time took me till 2 o'clock in the morning, and I had to, no, nuh-uh, new, not doing it. Like, I'd tell that company, you're on your own. I don't care how big that check is. You are on your own. You hired this disaster. You live with this disaster. You should have figured it out by now. But, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's very specific. This is one human being whose path I ever cross again. I'm going to turn around and be like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, honey, I have a list of Larrys in so many different departments. Um, oh, yeah. And that's why I work for myself. I suck at having a ball. Mm-hmm. I don't even do good with having a manager, but I have one. Um, but, you know, we had to find one that actually will work with me, not against me, or, you know, not hear my voice. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the worst thing you can do is not hear my voice, not talk. Yeah, that's when, you know, it's like, fine, I will go and blow up the Empire State Building. Be back in about 20 minutes. All right, Let's have fun. Uh-huh. Let's take a commercial, and I'll be, and we'll be right back after we pay the light bill. Absolutely. And you'll find us at www.themagichappens.com. Your free online magazine. Are you looking for loving, caring, spiritual answers? Then you need to give Rainy a call. Her number is 303-416-2977. She's able to give you a reading, see what your life path holds, plus what the angels and crossover loved ones has to say about it. Visit PsychicRainyLove.com for more details. And remember, Rainy spelled R-A-I-N-E. As a busy modern woman, I'm constantly on the go. Having to make multiple stops while I'm out shopping or getting things done just doesn't work for me. That's why I love going to the Crystal Lotus Shop for every one of my metaphysical needs. They have all the basics like stones, candles, Sage. Plus, they carry jewelry, herbs, cards, a variety of unique gifts, and several other items you're probably looking for. Uh-oh, sounds like my husband's old college injury flared up again. That's okay. I can count on a team of healers at the Crystal Lotus to fix him right up. They offer massage, Reiki, Kalamni, as well as other energy modalities, all performed by licensed, highly trained, and gifted practitioners. And while he's being taken care of, I'll sit down and get some guidance by one of their accomplished psychic readers. Oh, and did I mention they do custom orders and have gift certificates as well? They even offer yoga several days a week for all levels of experience. Plus, the last Saturday of every month, they have Psychic Saturday, where they offer discounts on readings as well as many healing sessions. Stop in to meet Shauna and the rest of the family there. They're located at 89 Old Main Plaza in St. Albans, where the Loop Pharmacy used to be. Or give them a call at 304 729 
888-5085. Crystal Lotus, taking the spirit where the body cannot go. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Did you know that you can have a reading with ASIN in person? Or you can reach him by phone, chat, or even text message. You should really check out his site, asinite.com, or give him a call. His number is 304-584-3592. Have a cup of your favorite topics with your hosts, Asin Knight and Rain Love. There's nothing like a good conversation to warm your soul and give your spirit a break now and then. Asin and Love have such a wonderful way of exploring topics like psychic phenomena, important topics in our daily lives from a psychic's point of view, and you never know who else will stop by. The Psychic Coffee Shop live on Blog Talk Radio. So come on in. We made a fresh cup of Java just for you. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Pay our bills. You know, go check out our sponsors. We're going to have some new sponsors coming up, some new commercials coming up, new things in general. We've actually expanded. But it was a little interesting. It was nice to see some of my DEA friends in town. Um, (laughs) Now, why don't you tell them what they were up to? Wait a second. Why do you have DEA friends? Why are there D? No one's friends with the DEA. That's like being friends with Spanish Inquisition. What's that about? Like, what are you in? Well, you know, a little bit of A, a little bit of B, some of C, a few security clearances. You never know. Well, you know. Um, But no, yeah. <laughs> Again, we told you it was a fun week, uh, especially locally. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, um, so just, uh, yesterday, wow, I thought it was actually the day before, but just yesterday, um, Oak Hill Hometown Pharmacy was raided by the DEA, um, they basically were raided for filling too many prescriptions for, uh, uh, medications treat addiction called Subutex. Um, it's also known as buprenorphine, buprenorphine, buprenorphine. Sure, that. Let's go with that. That sounds great. Um, 
yeah. So, more, <laughs> uh, it, it, is, it is an opioid-based medication. It is actually typically used for treating addiction um, through a under-the-tongue, um, which is what Subutex should be, is the under-the-tongue version. Um, now, the generic version of that is actually a medication that can, can be used a lot of ways, and one of them is pain management. Um, I, yeah. Well, yeah. it's also uh, been called a partial opioid. Uh, prevents opioid overdoses and symptoms of opioid withdrawal. Um mm-hmm. Taken as directed, it's fine, but if you crush it and snort it, then it's pretty similar to heroin. So fun. They've, um, this one pharmacy has been filling a lot of prescriptions. Um, from December 2016 to March 2019, the pharmacy filled about two thousand prescriptions uh for subutex um and a lot of these were for the same out-of-state clinic um i'm assuming a pain clinic or most likely uh located almost 200 miles away from oak hill um with some patients driving up to 600 miles to this pharmacy to get their prescriptions filled um, and 96% of the prescriptions were paid for in cash. Um, yeah. So the DEA executed um, a – now, this is an ongoing story. This is just the latest chapter. Um, November of 2018, um, the DEA was first alerted there was something going on here. Um, so they uh, basically slapped the pharmacy on the wrist and said, quit filling out-of-state prescriptions like this. And so they did, and then very quickly went right back to what they were doing. Um, these are prescriptions that have what are called an unresolvable red flag, um, which uh, as far as I can tell, and maybe you can shed some light on that, um, is I'm assuming that's prescriptions that don't make any sense. Like, why are you here? Why are you getting your prescriptions here? Why are you commonly getting your prescriptions here? Why are there, like, what's going on? Um, on well, top of what's the prescription for? Well, commonly what happens with opioids currently, um, mm-hmm. and this is going on a lot, and it really doesn't, you know, the 200 miles thing's not the red flag here, because a lot of opioid prescriptions, pharmacy, the way that they can control them, is pharmacies mm-hmm. refuse to carry it. No, we ain't carrying that anymore. We talked about um, in Kentucky, the last DA raid <laughs> in Kentucky. The uh, person had, you know, they were like, well, where am I supposed to get my medicine from? You know, this is the only pharmacy mm-hmm. in this town that carries this medicine. How am I supposed to get mm-hmm. this? So driving six hours, 200 miles, you know, we drive five hours for a doctor. 
The reason we drive five hours for mm-hmm. a doctor is we're in southern West Virginia. I have RA and hernia and flip this. As soon as the doctor sees me, they want to run. Well, yeah, and we've talked about that in a previous show. It took 54 other doctors rejecting you until we could find 55 that would take right. you. Um, right. Because your insurance company even tried because you yeah. just kept getting rejected, rejected, rejected. And it's especially right now in the wake of the opioid problem, the minute mm-hmm. they see you have a lot of back problems, the minute they see you have a pain history, the minute they see that their their hackles go up. Um, right. Because, quite frankly, um, even if that doctor fully 100% legitimately believes you have a mm-hmm. problem that is best treated with an opioid medication, they don't mm-hmm. want to be the one to do it. It's just, and that's twofold. One is it it starts a risk for them. It it opens a risk door Um, Mm -hmm. that, one, they're going to come under someone's crosshair, Um, whether it's a state licensing board, whether it's the DEA, whether, like, regardless. Someone's going to sit there and go, you know, pill mill. Um and, and potentially look at them as part of this roundup. Right. Um, right. Or part two is you found a doctor. You have a doctor that will write you a pain pill prescription. There's mm-hmm. also this – I think some pill mills don't necessarily start out as pill mills. I think it starts mm-hmm. out sometimes as one sympathetic doctor that believed the wrong patient. And then that patient told their friend that told their friend that told five other people, and then suddenly this doctor has a very full waiting room full of people all needing pain meds. Um, right. I, I think there are I, I think there are some a very small number of doctors that got sucked in that way. Um. You know that that that's legitimately well, happened. Though, well, I would point there's out a larger that... problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a larger problem in general, is that it doesn't have to do with that. A lot of it has to do with having independent PAs that you're not seeing that patient. You don't have a clue what that patient wants, what that patient needs, who that patient is. They see your PA. They have your mm-hmm. P, your PCI number. They have everything that they need to mm-hmm. run that to write this prescription. It is not the doctor mm-hmm. that's doing it. It's you know, and we've seen this with other cases. And what's weird is I'm reminded of my medical history class because we're fighting the same thing we were doing a hundred years ago: opioid addiction, opioid problem, opioid medication. Um, well, yeah. It, well, yeah. every every generation ends up with the thing. Um, you know, now it's opioids and heroin. Is you know back up a little bit. It was crack. Back up before that, it was you know strictly marijuana was the demon drug. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and some of this is repetition. Um, right. You know, you get the new one every once in a while. You get do- people, or well, doctors especially, but people abusing ether or abusing uh, laughing gas. You get there's a lot of things that that will repeat. Right. There's some new ones every once in a while, but yeah, there's always ultimately for any medication there's a misuse potential um especially if it gives someone a good time if they enjoy that effect even once right um there's an abuse potential and so it's never you're never going to get rid of it you're never going to get rid of it exactly so the red flag, unresolved red flag here is the prescription's maybe poorly written. The PCI number's a little off. Maybe the prescription's a little folded, a little faded. They can't verify the prescription at the doctor's because technically right now, and just for the record, no, mm-hmm. ASIN is on opioids. I'm on zero narcotics. Oh. I refuse to take narcotics. But moving forward, um, mm. They tend to, there's a, a, a kind of like a secret code for each doctor. And sometimes those codes don't match up on a prescription. And then what's supposed to happen is the doctor is supposed to call the, I mean, the pharmacy is supposed to call the clinic. And when it call, when they call the clinic, that clinic is supposed, to be able to verify that prescription. What mm-hmm. apparently happened here is nobody was caring what the prescription said, if the PCI number was correct. All they did was snap, snap, done. Yep, you got a prescription. Let me feel it. Mm-hmm. Well, That's and, where our default issues fall in. Right. Well, and you're starting to see a lot of this happen even with um, chain pharmacies. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I swear to God, some of the pharmacy or chain pharmacies out there, if they could load all this into a robot, they would. Like if there wasn't a state requirement for uh, you know a pharmacist to uh, be the one to check a prescription, like you can have pharmacy techs, of course, and I don't think they'd care about a robot being a pharmacy tech. But if they right. didn't require a pharmacist, I, I swear to God, we'd be getting prescriptions out of a vending machine. Like I really think at this well, point, if Walmart, Walgreens, like wherever, and I mean all of them, if they could create uh-huh. a prescription vending machine, we'd have it. Um, but what I'm very watchful of and what I'm keeping an eye on is mm-hmm. um, Amazon. They recently bought a pure pill packaging company. Um, uh-huh. The company specializes and commonly in nursing homes and the medicine being prepackaged, it shoots it out. It's a really cool automated system. Wish we had had it years ago. It'll made MedPass so much easier. But <laughs> what I expect is going to go on is instead of doing the monthly or, you know, every two week or whatever drug run to Wally World, 
soon mm-hmm. as it's available, we're going to Amazon-y. And Amazon will send us lovely envelopes with our morning meds and lovely little cellophane packages, our evening meds and cellophane packages, whatever your dose is, you know, whatever your med is for whichever time, all prepackaged for you, all pre-counted, all put together. There is none of this, well, can you sit down and do my pill box? Or, Grandma, you know, you're really taking that blood pressure medicine at the wrong time of day. You have to take it mm-hmm. by 11 o'clock. You're taking it with your lunch. Because what happens a lot of times is you have these seniors that live at home, and at home health it was very common. We call them the punch bowl seniors. They literally just buy their drugs, open up a bottle, open it up, and pour it in. Reach in, grab a handful of the day as long as they're living right. doesn't matter if it's the husband's medicine or the wife's medicine. Commonly, commonly oh. happens. Oh. You know. Yeah, no. Like, see, that wasn't even the direction I thought that would go. Oh, God, that's just horrible. Because, like, now my grandmother's version that when I came up, she had prescription bottles all over that house. That was the only way she could keep them straight. As to, and, and it was, <laughs> it it was funny, like. Her morning meds were next to her cereal. Her lunch meds were next to, like, the refrigerator. Um, her evening pills were on the sink in the kitchen. The bedtime pills were on the sink in the bathroom. And God help her every time she got a, a refill. That uh, that would <laughs> I, I love the pharmacy she was with. They were so kind to her um, in making sure to very, very, very clearly label when she needed to take it. Um, mm-hmm. Like they, they would black Sharpie all over that label, um, what it was, like when to take it. Like she didn't know what she was taking. They could have handed her the wrong meds. She wouldn't have known. All she looked at right. was the the time on the on the label, um, mm-hmm. because that's all she could keep up with at that point. Like we, right. honestly, we didn't know how bad things were getting for her. But no, I mean, and with her, you know, this if you sit here and you think, okay, well that sounds like four meds. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, my grandmother was on. A lot of meds. Um, I think at the point in which I got there, she was on at least 10. And some of these were two a day. And, again, I give that pharmacy credit. They handed her two separate bottles, half Mm -hmm. the meds in one, half the meds in the other, Um, just to help her out, just to help her out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the concept of – and I went and looked up. It's pill pack that Amazon bought out. Um, That is actually a concept. Um, if I had not taken over uh, her meds and the dosing and all that, or if it happened earlier, um, I think we would have definitely looked at, um, because I love the concept that she could have potentially um, continued, so to speak, managing her own meds, because it did exactly what this pharmacy was doing. Um, And that was a small local pharmacy. They have I think only two stores. I don't think they've branched out anymore recently. Um, yeah, but they have two locations. Kids, yeah. 
Pardon? I said he hasn't had any more grandkids graduate college yet. Well, this is true. This is true. This is now a family of pharmacists. It is great. Well, actually, he – well, no, 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 because no, right uh, – originally, the, the first store was him. His son became a pharmacist. He opened the second store. Now his grandson has gone to college. I don't think he's graduated yet. But uh, once he graduates, you may see another store open up. Um, yep. You know? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, third generation but I like pharmacists. Them. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're great. You know, uh, they're a Love them. Thing, Wish like they them. were here because they would be handling mm-hmm. ours. But oh, I like no. the flexibility that I get with who we get. But no, if this mm-hmm. becomes an option, we're taking it. Um, oh, yeah. Just because of the management later on will be so much easier. Um, well, absolutely. But also, I think that, I think that we'll see more medications being hatched, um, and that's something that's going on really bad right now in the medical community is trying to figure out, okay, how can we get this not as a pill? How can we create mm-hmm. this not be usable? And it's really freaky looking at some of the research and some of the things they're testing out, like the spray, like the um, – it's, it's not a full-fledged injectable. It's almost like the Star Trek dor- uh, dermal things that, you know, the medicine gets just pushed into the skin. Those mm-hmm. will be great if they can – the problem is getting the same amount of delivery um, right mm-hmm. now. Because even well, with medication, think, you don't get the same delivery. Yeah. Well, and I think it would also be interesting if we could get to a point where, especially with seniors that are starting into a significant cognitive decline, um, or at least have declined to a point that this is way above their, their ability um, to manage medication, I think you could see a lot better health outcomes um, if we could find a way to, um, you know, initially put someone on a medication, you know, old school, and if it's well tolerated, um, find a way that is convenient that you could long-term dose, um, you know, within the doctor's office setting that, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, like, under the skin, implantable, that slowly breaks down in a predictable rate um, mm-hmm. over the duration between appointments. Um, right. Just to, because quite frankly, no one wants to take 13, 20, 25, well, how, like, ungodly numbers of pills per day. Exactly. No yeah. one wants to, like, sit there and swallow that kind of med. Um, it's right. aggravating, it's frustrating, it's hard to track, it's hard to put up with. Um, and it, it, in once you start having, you know, cognitive difficulties um, and, and your memory is going, it's a nightmare. Well, um, I think you know, need to look at something I wish the medical community would do mm-hmm. is really take a look here. Now, we had, just just an example, because, you know, Meemaw makes a wonderful example. She is 96, mm-hmm. 97, 
Mm-hmm. And taking cholesterol pills or taking, you know, it's like, is this going to extend her life another 200 years? Why are we giving her this medication? It's not going to cause a significant, it's not maintenance anymore. We're not maintenancing. Right. You know, that was a thing that we went through with dad is, you know, let's go through and get rid of the medication. You know, he's, you know, at best going to be gone in five months. What medication does he not need? Right. You know, what Um, medication does he need? And I think doctors have a really hard time with that concept is that at some mm-hmm. point you you know you need to at least look at a patient and just flat out say, you know, you're taking a lot of meds. Um, can we have a frank discussion about what they do and whether you actually want to continue taking them? Because right. you know, you're you're kinda you're you're at the end of the road. Um mm-hmm. and, but it is a big medical problem. We don't dis- discuss quality of life, we discuss quantity of life, and that's that's all we're caring about is, you know, best practice based on 50-year-olds on getting them to being 90-year-olds. Okay, now they're in their 90s. We don't really stop and think about, okay, maybe it's time to start a conversation about how long you looking to stick around, buddy, because this isn't going to get better. Like, you know, these, right. these like either these are medications that prevent a thing um, like heart attack or stroke um, or simply optimize your body so that you're less likely to have one. Um, But, you know, something's got to take you out and you're getting up there. Um, You know, if you wholeheartedly want to keep taking those meds till the day you Whatever kills you, um, that's fine. That's great. But if it's a struggle, then let's actually talk about it. That, you know, if this is pain in your butt every single day taking all these meds, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's really discuss it. Because some of them, mm-hmm. no, you really can't medically support it at this point. Um, there there right. weren't that many 90-year-olds that were around for the study. So we don't even know if some of them actually do anything after a certain point. Like, you know, exactly. what, what actual effect does it have? Right. And guess well, what? Well, we're out of time, but I want to dig into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll probably carry this into the next one. Let's uh, have a great week. I'll see you on Tuesday. I- Thinking Amanda's with me Tuesday. Jewel always be running forward. And, you know, let's have a great week, y'all. Till next week. Good night, y'all. Good night. You're listening to the Psychic Coffee Shop Podcast Network.